Welcome to the Life Church St. Peter's Message of the Week. We hope you're encouraged by today's message and encounter God's heart through it. To find out more about us, visit lifechurchstpeters.com. Hey, let's welcome Guy Medeiros. Thanks, Guy. Problem. Well, John Block crossed over to Raucous. I just heard that. Um, I would like to start off. I keep saying that. I would like to. I should just do it. I have the microphone. Um, please, if we could, have the students stand and join me up here. Right in this area, up on this platform. So all students, if you want to come up, that would be great. Man, you don't think there's that many of them until they start coming up. Come on, guys. File in. Oh, hi. That's a hu- She's a hugger. All right, come on up. Here, let's scoot down this way, guys, so we can fit everybody up here. Come on down this way. All right, you're good. All right. So we're starting today off by just taking a little bit of time to pray for the children, to pl- pray a blessing over them. They have just embarked on a new school year. And there's a lot that comes with that, a lot that they're facing. If you think back to when you went through it, um, you remember it's, they make it look easy, but it's not always easy. So we're just going to pray for them. Actually, before we do that, can I have a few people, if I spoke to you ahead of time to, to pray for the kids, if you could just come up. So we've got people that sort of help out with the children, some elders from the church. We'll just have them up there to supplement. Father, we just thank you that... Um, These are our brothers and sisters. They're our children, but also our brothers and sisters and you. We just just thank you for them. We understand that, yes, they're the future of your church, but they're also the present. They're right now in your kingdom doing work. The Holy Spirit has given them everything that he's given anybody of any age. They carry it with them. So we recognize that. We pray blessings over them this school year as they study, as they learn new things, as they interact with the teachers. We just pray for patience and kindness and peace in those classrooms. We pray for protection in sporting events as they go out with their teams and learn to get along with one another, learn to work together. We just pray your favor on those, that people would be protected, that those games would be uh, good learning and, and no injuries. We also pray for their friends, Father. We understand how important friendship is the kind of people that you surround yourself with, how integral that is to their growth in the kingdom. So we're just praying your intervention with friends, that you would work on their friends' hearts, that those friendships would be the right type, that they would grow. So we pray for good, godly friends for these children. We pray for their teachers. We also understand that getting a good teacher is an amazing thing. And we know you've blessed so many with the talent to educate, uh, to help our children learn in fun and exciting and engaging ways. So we're just praying a blessing on their teachers in everything they encounter this year. And while we do pray for favor and protection, we also pray for opportunity. We know they may be shorter, but they are amazing ambassadors for your kingdom. So we ask that you provide them opportunity to be amazing. Opportunity to speak boldly for you. Opportunity to show your love, your kindness, your Holy Spirit to their peers, to their teachers. That they would be a a mighty witness for you. 
We know that you work in lives. We know that you use people. So we're saying use these children in Jesus' name. All right, guys. Melissa, thank you for all that you do. When you get them all up here, you're like, she's got a tough job every Sunday. So we just want to say thank you. You guys can head back. So you get to stay in with us today. I was reminded that, yeah, it's fifth Sunday. The kids are going to be in with us. And so I thought, okay, I have to figure that out. How am I going to make sure that we're engaging for them so it's not just all grown-up boring stuff? So I figured I would start out with some science. Just We've got a video about uh, the animal kingdom. And just it's, it's the educational part. And I'll try to weave some of that into to the meeting today. There are many animals. One type of animal is a burb and some are wild, like the beach chicken, formal chicken, freedom glider, fancy butt, and the pantless thunder goose. Burbs also make good pets, like love burbs, or a mohawk, or a bouncy burb. There's also Photoshop burbs, like burbs with arms, burbs with inner legs, and when a doggo and a burb come together, that's a dirt. Heckin' rare. <laughs> Another animal is a snack. Some snacks are friendly pets and might even be snazzy, or be a scrunchie, or go for walks. Other snacks are much venom. Don't hack around with a danger noodle, or a nope rope, or a slippery tube dude. If it's not a bird snack, dog or a cat it's some other animal, and some of the other animals are aqua animals, like the panda whale, sea flap flap, the floating potato, and the American murder log. Some other other animals are land animals, chief of all is a wizard cow. There's also the danger zebra, flop wop, tree floof, here's a tired tree floof, stab rabbit, giraffe sheep, and last but not least, the fart squirrel. Visualize your animals, and anything else, with lucid chart. So I apologize for the colorful language, but I'm just hoping you can take something home, that you learn something from that, and that that just helps you just really love God's creatures. <laughs> the stab rabbit, was that That was so good. Watch out for the nope rope. <laughs> okay, so if you're following along in the sermon notes... My name is Guy Medeiros. I got the pleasure of serving all of you here at Life Church. It is, uh, I know Rob was so kind to say for all they do, but I mean, I, I really can speak for Dana and I when I say it is an absolute pleasure, except for digging out the bushes. That was unpleasurable. Everything besides that has been really good. Um, you'll remember that we've been talking about know, grow, and go pretty much all year long here, and we are on the go part of that. And today is no exception. Um, and if you remember, three weeks ago, I was able to stand up here and talk about purpose. And just thinking through that, could you articulate what is my purpose? In a few sentences, would you be able to say, my purpose in God's kingdom here on earth is to say that very concisely. So that was three weeks ago. I think I saw three hands raise, which, you know, we're getting there. This morning, I just wanted to see if between then and now, some of you uh, have thought through that and would be able to do that. I had a few people come up afterwards and said, I, I, I wanted to raise my hand. I was close, but I couldn't make it concise. So if you've worked on it, today's your chance. You can come up and say, I do know what it is, and here it is. So if that's you, raise your hand. That's better. That's better. We're getting better. Jair, come on up. Well, I've spoken a few times before here, but I was trying to put in, in, in or summarize what 
I'm about, what I feel the Lord has given me. And I've known it for a while, but I've never really expressed it clearly to, I guess, uh, many people since we moved here to O'Fallon about uh, three years ago. And, um, well, in a summary, I think, uh, or actually I believe, that uh, the gifting I have or the passion that I have is for equipping the church, equipping them in understanding what they believe, why they believe what they believe, and how to uh, or show to other people uh, wise uh, or good reasons for believing what we believe. And that's basically it in a nutshell. Very good, very good. All right. That was good. In the 30 seconds was almost up, but he slipped it in there. That's good. So equipping the saints to understand why we believe what we believe and be able to defend that. That's, that's really succinct. And as I thought about that, when we know our purpose, when we have it fixed in our minds, that's when we go, right? That's the no, grow, go. So you're going out to fulfill your purpose. Sometimes it's in with the church. Most of the time, it's outside, to the world, to the people that need God, right? To the lives that are broken. So it's a going out, and that usually requires moving. Moving forward, taking a step, starting a journey. We talked a little bit about that. I think we said you can't, it's hard to steer a parked car. If you're moving, that's when the Holy Spirit can, in your purpose, guide you to what he wants you to do. That's how it works. Read Acts, right? <laughs> He says, you go out, I'll give you the words, I'll show you things, I'll give you the power, I'll give you the courage, it's me using you when you go. So we all know that's, that's go. I'm just, just setting that stage, reminding us um, of where we're headed with this. How many of you know Dan Reynolds? Have you had the, if you've had the pleasure of hearing him speak, he is, I, He's not here today, too bad for us. He is dynamic. He is amazing. You get done listening to him and you want to run out the doors and run out and just proclaim Jesus all over the place because he's really good at doing that. And he spoke to a small group of us recently and he said this, I feel like you guys are, are getting ready to go. And he put it in, in this uh, framework. He said, there's expectation, preparation, and then manifestation, because he always does things in threes. And that's what he said. So he went on to say, think about for those of you that have uh, ha had children, right? And if you hadn't, you, you can probably follow along here. But when you know uh, that, that, that you're pregnant, it's time, or that adoption is going to happen. When you know that's there, that's when you get excitement, that expectation, this is going to be amazing. And you get that high for a long time. But then you start thinking as your time grows short about, oh man, the baby's going to be on the outside or those papers are going to be signed and we're bringing this baby home with us. And when you realize that and that sets in, that begins your stage of preparation, still excited, but thinking of all the things I have to do. There's cribs, there's diapers, there's a minivan, all the fantastic things that we get to spend on when children come. And you go into a stage of preparation. No one would begin to think about bringing a baby home with having done no preparation. 
Dana and I joke and we say, really, you prepare, you over-prepare. <laughs> and then the baby comes home and it's just, you got toys and this and that in it and it just sits there and cries. And you just change the diaper over and over and over again. So what you really should do to prepare for like the first three months is just buy a stack of diapers about that tall. That's really all you have to do. We always say, they could sleep in a drawer. They don't care. They're not, they're not offended by that. But we over-prepare for that. We think about every little thing. We learn how diaper genies work. We learn all of that stuff. How to baby-proof a home. We post about it on Facebook. We are so prepared. And then that baby comes. That's the manifestation. Now there is a physical child in your care that they send home with you. I remember when we had our first child a few we'll say months, but it was maybe a few years before, I had gone to try to adopt a puppy. We lived in Atlanta and they had this puppy adoption thing and I'd filled out the paperwork and I'd turned it in and I'm supposed to get a call, I'm so excited. And a lady calls me, I'm like, it's her, it's her. I'd pick up the phone and I said, oh, oh, you're calling me about the dog? She said, yes, Mr. Medeiros, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, why are you sorry? Well, I was looking over your application and I noticed that you travel a lot. I'm like, yeah, but my wife doesn't travel with me most of the time, and I live in a, a condo with people around me that have dogs and would love to dog sit. I, I've got that totally taken care of. Well, and we see that you haven't had any, any pets of your own before, and you live in a condo, which is kind of small. I'm like, I, it's a small dog. How, how much room do they need? By the way, I live right down the road from Piedmont Park, one of the best parks in all of Atlanta. We'll walk there every single day. And I'm giving her all my reasons, and she says, um, I'm sorry, Mr. Medeiros, it's just not going to happen, and we're not going to have you adopt this puppy. And I hang up the phone, and, and Dana comes in, how'd it go? And she's just looking at me, I'm, I'm shocked, I can't even talk. What happened? So I, I tell her, and I'm, I'm angry. And I say, today, we could be pregnant, we, we could go and have a baby, they would put a human baby into our hands and say, good luck, guys, congratulations, I, I can be trusted with a human baby, but somehow a puppy's gonna stretch me and I'm not gonna be able to do it. I just found that odd. But it is when they, yeah, yeah, but I'm over it, it's fine. So when, when they hand you that baby, you take home that, you're like, it's here, this is real. All the videos I watched about changing diapers, all of a sudden I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm the nice uncle and I'm volunteering to help change diapers just so I can figure out how the whole thing works and, and, and you're ready and the baby's there and now you're living it and it requires a lot. It changes your life fundamentally. You get to grow up on that day. Any growing up you hadn't gotten finished before then, that finishes it off because that baby's here. So if with that in our minds, just, just think about that baby being our purpose. We are excited about our purpose. We've been in a state of preparing for that. We've, I've just seen so many people here get touched by the Holy Spirit, by God just being so kind to them. I've seen lives turned around. I've seen people come to life. The Dry Bones song, I can't tell you how many people I've seen. It was great to see Anthony up here. That, right? I, Anthony doesn't normally come up here, but the Holy Spirit propelled him up here, said, you're going to go and you're going to testify to my goodness that you're at a place where you've been set free, that I've lifted that off of you. We've been in that state of preparation. We've heard all about know and grow, but now we're time for the time for 
manifestation. It's around the corner. I don't think that's only for us here. I don't think this has only been happening in Life Church St. Peter's. Everywhere I go, Ken and Beverly were here. Something's changing for us. It's, we've gone, we've shifted out of just meeting as a group and now we're in the community doing things. That is happening all over St. Louis. Ask your friends that attend different churches. Just say, what's going on in your church? I'm guessing you're going to hear this. Well, it's really odd, you know, Nor, I've just thought about going to church, but now it seems more important. So I feel like something's about to happen in St. Louis. We've had people come from out of town into St. Louis. What's going on here? As soon as I stepped off that plane, there's this expectation, something's coming. I remember the Blestis boys, they'd been gone for a year, come back. Their testimony was the second we stepped off that plane into the airport, we knew something was different from when we left. So that manifestation is coming. We've had a lot of different pictures and ways of talking about it. Set that aside, just know that it's coming. That's why we're talking about go. That's why we're challenging you to know your purpose. Spend time asking him what your purpose is, what your specific purpose for you personally and his plan. I want to urge you to keep doing that. Keep being able to articulate it. Keep it fixed in your mind, especially as we go through today. I'm going to spend a little bit of time talking about, yeah, we got enough time, talking about the cost. Going has a cost to it. These are the three cost elements that I, I know will be there. There may be others, but these are the three that I'm going to talk about today. First of all is focus. It requires you to focus on it. Second one is time. It is going to require some amount of time to fulfill his purpose. And finally, usually money. If you're focused something on something and spending time on that thing, it, there's a good chance that that's going to cost you dollar bills, money. So we'll go through that today. Uh, I just want to remind you about priorities. If you think about your priorities in life, if I was asking you to shout them out, it'd be like, well, work is important. My family is a priority. This movement I'm part of is a priority. My, my mission for God, that's a priority. Priorities are things that you take time and money and you put it towards that important thing. So if you don't know what your priorities are, look at where you're spending your time and money. That is your priority. So you can say it's one thing, but it's that. I know one of my chief priorities is my family. I spent a lot of time and money there. I'm positive that's one of my priorities. So just, just think about where your priorities are. There's, there's no guilt in this message. It's just asking us to take it from what we usually don't think about and bring it out in front of us and say, these are my priorities. This is where I spend the bulk of my time, focus, and money. And just think about what those are. I'm going to encourage us by saying nobody means to be too busy for their purpose. We don't in intend to spend our time and money and focus foolishly. There's no guilt. Let's look at Romans 8, 1 through 2. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. That's a, a verse you see a lot. I'm starting it today. There is no condemnation 
in what I'm saying. It was funny because as we're in prayer ahead of time, Greg Maurer, I'm just walking kind of because I, I pace when I'm praying and he just put his hand out in front of me and stopped me. And he started praying for me and he said, you're to bring everything that God has given you to say out today irrespective of how sensitive the subject might be, you're supposed to do that. God's going to give you grace to do that. And he had no idea what I was going to speak about, but all week long I've been thinking, telling Dana, I'm really worried. This can come off like a guilt trip, and I don't mean it that way, and it isn't that, but I'm so worried. So when he stopped me, it was like he was speaking the word of the Lord. They're going to be able to hear this. They're going to be able to receive this, and it's not going to feel like pressure or guilt. So thank you. Thank you, Lord, for that. Um, let's also take a look at Matthew 6, 21 through 34. My son was getting ready to audition for a part at Dayspring, fantastic school of the arts, by the way. And uh, he's, he's practicing this monologue, and he's just speeding through it. He's going as fast as he can just to kind of get through it. And I'm telling him, you need to slow down so people can hear what you're saying and process it and think about it before you go to the next thing. And Dana just looked at him and go, where did he get that? So... I am going to endeavor to slow my pace down, not because there's a hard time understanding, but because for the first time, Tom said, why don't you go back and listen to your last sermon? And I listened to that, and then I thought, I don't know what he was trying to say. <laughs> Potentially, it could be that I went too fast. So uh, I'll try to go a little bit more slowly. Matthew 6, 21 through 34, your heart will be where your treasure is. The only source for the body is the eye. If you look at people and want to help them, you'll be full of light. But if you look at people in a selfish way, you'll be full of darkness. You can't serve two masters at the same time. You will hate one and love the other, or you'll be loyal to one and not care about the other. You cannot serve God and money at the same time. End quote. Every time that I've, I've read that, I've struggled with that. You hear about the rich young ruler. You see things like this and you think, ah, man, I really don't believe that. I mean, Billy Graham was a wealthy guy. He was clearly serving God. You have so many examples of that. And so, so I struggled with this. And, and what I feel the Lord showed me on this one is, guy, for you, it's at the same time. You know, focus on that part. I'm not saying that's what this whole passage means, but for me, he was saying, you can't serve me and all of the things that you do to make money and spend money. You can't do those things concurrently at the same time, focus-wise. So I hear some of you inside, the dualism alarms are going off. Well, my work is the secular thing I do. And then when I serve the Lord, that's the spiritual thing I do, and that those things are separate things. And it sounds like I'm saying that. I can't do both of those at the same time. I'm not saying that. All of our life belongs to God. Let's take a look at Romans 6, 20 through 23. In the past, you were slaves to sin, and you didn't even think about doing right. You did evil things, and now you're ashamed of what you did. Did those things help you? No, they only brought death. But now you're free from sin. You've become slaves of God. And the result is that you live only for God. 
This will bring you eternal life. When people sin, they earn what sin pays? Death. But God gives his people a free gift, eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. This is a good passage because it says you are, you are slaves to God. You are servants of God. He's the king. We've willfully said you are Lord. When we say that, that means I am servant. All of the things I do serve you. There are not two parts of that. So I just want to pull that dualism apart so that you can hear when I say it's hard to serve money and God at the same time. I'm not meaning what we do with our life. I'm talking about where we spend our focus. Does that make sense? Everybody's just staring at me, not or something. Okay. Before we go on, I want to pause and do Romans 8, 14, and 15 because I don't want the slave thing to be too, he- ha- too heavy. The true children of God are those who let God's spirit lead them. The spirit that we received is not a spirit that makes us slaves again and causes us to fear. The spirit that we have makes us God's chosen children. And with that spirit, we cry out, Abba, Father. So God was really careful to say, I am the king, you are my servants, I am the Lord, I am the master, you are slaves to me. But he says, you are also my children. That's an amazing thing that both of those can happen at the same time. I know my kids would sometimes say, we're slaves, we're servants. But they know that while yes, they have to do what I say, that they can't really get in my bad graces, they can't really be so bad I stop loving them. Usually what I'm telling them to do is good for them, and they know that too. So sometimes it feels a lot like I'm saying, dig up those bushes, girls, and they're, oh, that's terrible. But then we go home and we have an amazing evening because they know I am a loving father. So balance those two things. This is all set up to us today to get to where I, wanna, I want to go. I believe that this church is full of people earnestly seeking God's purpose for their lives. I've never seen, I've been in church most of my life and I've never seen anything like this. We had that prophetic encouragement class last Sunday and it's where you can sign up for sessions and you come in and you have people just prophetically saying what God thinks about you, what he's saying to you. And, and we had three teams and multiple sessions and we had to add sessions because there were so many of you that are seeking that, are desiring that. What is it that he wants me to do? What does he have to say to me? And so I know that this environment is that. I know that we are seeking individually and as a group, what is it that he wants us to do? So I just want to spend most of our time today on what Tom would call a great but how. So he would say, okay, we, we, we know our purpose, we're seeking our purpose, we want to go out and be engaged in it, give us some practical ways to do that. So none of these things are going to surprise you, I'm, I'm positive of that. Do we have that picture of the Bible? What do you notice about that Bible? Raise your hand. What was it? Margins. Big, wide margins. I know when I I look through, I use electronic Bible and highlight things there, but when I look through my mom or my dad's Bible, all in the margins are notes to themselves, highlighted things here, highlighted things there. Those margins are important when you're studying because they help you make notes, 
But those, that's what I'm st- talking about today is margin. Margin is the intentional space left blank for you to write in. Now there's other business terms, but that's the margin I'm talking about. That intentional space that is left blank for you to write in or the Holy Spirit to write in through you. There's this idea of that page can be jam-packed full of words, but it is super important that there is intentional margin left on that page. Room for God's word to come alive to you and come out your hand. So translate that into margin in your life. You have a purpose, we have this purpose. We wanna be about this purpose. Sometimes it's while we're going at work and other places, but sometimes it requires us to do something extra. That requires focus, it requires time, and it requires money, and those are things we can plan for. If you plan in margin, then when you need it, it's there. When God wants to use you, you have time, you have money, and you're able to focus on it because you intentionally created margin in your lives. So when I was asking, what should I speak about this time, Holy Spirit? Because he's so faithful to tell me, so faithful. You can ask Dana on that one. He, he does it every time. And he said, simply tell them, he put that idea of margin. I am getting ready to move. I am using people that are earnestly seeking me. They can feel it, it's coming. Remind them now, create room for that so when I need it, they can respond. They want to. They're ready to. There needs to be room for them to. That is God's word to you today if you're in this room is that create margin. Joe Worm's got his arms crossed. You're not mad, are you? No. Joe Worm is actually very good at being intentional. I I tease him. I work with him. I absolutely love Joe. He's a really, really good example of this. He's able to do that well. Can I tell the story about Day of Joe? Okay. We're getting ready to travel. We're going on this this trip and we're going down to San Antonio to visit a customer. I need Joe's help because he's great with customers. Absolutely great. Puts him at ease. So he's coming with us. And uh, I find out he's getting down there a day early. Like, why are you doing that? He said, it's my birthday. It's the day of Joe. So he said, (laughs) I said, what is the day of Joe? He goes, it's the day I do whatever I feel like doing. I just spend that day on myself. And so he was going to go to six barbecue joints, seven barbecue joints in a single day in Texas. So, so this is, so I said, oh man, Joe, would you mind if I come down early? Because that sounds amazing. And he goes, it's the day of Joe, guy. It's not the day of Joe and guy. I was like, Okay. That has absolutely nothing to do with where I'm going here, but man, I saw Joe and I thought of that. What I want to do is talk about margin. That was my intention. And I wanted to talk about three immutable laws. So if you're filling out your sheets, students, immutable. That means you cannot change them. These are three immutable laws. They are like gravity. Gravity is immutable. You might not like gravity, but gravity is gonna exert itself on you whether you like it or not. So think of them like that. We're gonna go through three of those. The first one is expenses will always rise to meet income, always. (laughs) Who has seen that law at work in their life? (laughs) Every single time, it's just amazing. I've never met anybody that really escapes that law. 
And I can say that because if I asked a room full of people, when was the last time you said, what am I going to do with all this money? <laughs> Who's uttered that in their entire life other than the, the, you had just woke up from the dream about the lottery and you're like, what am I? But that's just, that just does not happen. But I do think that God's plan very likely, this purpose he's you know, put us on, what we endeavor to do, is going to require money. You'll notice I'm not saying give it to the church, give it to Life Church. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying hold some back so there is margin. If somebody comes up and says the Bahamas just got devastated, who can go down? I can. I intentionally put aside money so that, and this was the thing. This has been coming. This was my thing. God, God asks you to go and you can respond like that because you've done that. So it's super easy for me to remind us to do that, and everybody wants to, but when you leave here, how do you do it? There is a bunch of different ways, but who here, if you are fortunate and blessed with work, has like a direct deposit option? You can direct deposit. Raise them high. It's not rhetorical. So all of you have this wonderful ability to go in next week to HR, or if Luke was here, he'd say, HR. Go into HR, and uh, which just sounds so ooh, mean. Where's Holly? It's, it's HR, a soft H. HR, and you can say, hey, can you give me that form where I fill out where I want this money put? And instead of all of it going into your checking account, take out whatever it is you intend to save, $10 pay period, $20, whatever that is. Can you make it go to this savings account instead? and then put the rest in my checking. Most people have that way, or, or your version of that. When I get paid, Dana and I say, we only have to be strong for one day. When it comes in, if it immediately goes out over here and gets set aside for God's purpose or whatever we're saving for, we only have to make a good decision that, that one time for a little while. So if you have trouble with that, just think, one day. While this is fresh in me, I can go and change that. Set that aside so when it's time and God calls you to act on your purpose, there is enough money there for you to be able to do that without concerns. Most of you know this. Why am I saying this? Because what the Holy Spirit was showing me is I am going to be calling on them. That's going to happen. I want them to, the best they can, remove the excuse that says, I would love to, but where am I going to get the money? So people should be thinking in your heads right now, well, God will provide. He'll clothe me like he clothes the lilies, all those things. God is providing for you. God is giving you income. God is asking you to set some aside for his purpose. You have been provided for. If you're not able to do that, he has a billion other ways to provide for you. He just does not want that to be an excuse Remember I said we'll move and then get steered? This is a step you can take to just say, it's important enough to me, God, that I take this out and set it aside for you. You'll notice I said it doesn't matter how much because he'll give you everything you need. It's more about you going, that's where my heart is. That's where my treasure is. I put my money over here. He'll add to it whatever he needs to add to it. But you'll have shown him that's my intention super quiet. Rob was smiling, so I'm good.
you get the finance people smiling, you're, you're all right. Second immutable law. Work will always expand to fill the time allotted for it. Dana has this saying, you know, I'll be out running errands and she'll say, you're going to be home by six, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, no problem. She says this. What would you say? <laughs> Don't let the denial monkey get you. There was some Facebook post a long time ago. I don't even remember what it was about, but it was just this little cartoon. And there's like monkeys that talk to this person. And when one of them's like, you can get that hour long thing done in 10 minutes. And it's the denial monkey. It's like, don't listen to the denial monkey. You can't fit it all in. But we all try to do that. We all have the denial monkey on our shoulders, right? I have so much to do. It doesn't stop. Bill, my phone never stops going off. Somebody always needs me. Right? Work will expand to fill the time allotted for it. Some of you have, I turn my phone off at this time. That's a good practice. Other ones, I'm going to set this devotional time aside. I'm going to get up early, whatever that is. What I'm saying to you is different than that. Please don't stop having that one-on-one time with God. That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is margin. If every single night of the week is jam-packed with stuff that we have to do, take a minute and go, how much of this do I have to do? Let's go through those slides. I think I had some about how busy people are just with work. So do you see that in the U.S.? 85.8% of males and 66.5% of females work more than 40 hours in a week. The Bureau of Labor and Statistics says 44 hours a week at least, about nine hours a day. That's the average. I'm guessing that most of you are not, you are above average in this room. And when you break it down by, do we really have to? Not really. You look at that stat. Go ahead and pull up the one that's got the chart. We work 137 more hours per year. Quick math, how many hours are in a day? 24? How many days is that? At least five, right? 5.432, I don't know. And I like that, 499 more than French workers. I'm kind of proud of that one. (laughs) That particular stat makes me feel good. But you look at that number, that's the the dark blue is the paid vacation by country. And of course, France leads them all. And then paid holidays. Now those are government mandated paid holidays. And then you look at us. Zero. Our government says, you don't have to give anybody a day off. You've all heard the statistics about how many percent of Americans don't even use all the vacation days that they have in a year, even if they go away at the end? I'm, I'm piling on. Okay, I think there's one more slide on this. This is, the, this is the guilt one a little bit. The average U.S. adult will spend two hours and 55 minutes on a smartphone in 2019, up nine minutes from last year. It's not bad. We have really, really good reasons why we do that. I know I do. I'm on the thing a lot. I'm a two-hour, 55-minute guy. And it's mostly really, really good reasons. It's not wasted time. My point being here, in those two, you got at least 8.8 hours a day that you're working on a typical day. Then you have three hours you're on that phone for really good reasons. And sometimes those reasons are just relaxation, de-stress. But out of a 16-hour awake time day, You've spent 12 of it 
on things you absolutely kind of have to do. They're there. And there's not that much time left over for everything else. So I'm just pointing out, just like you would budget your money, you can budget your time. I'm not saying anything people don't know, but I am saying things people don't do, including myself, as much as I'd like. So when was the last time you said, I don't have any more work to do? It's all done for once. Got nothing to do. We budget our money so that we can make sure we pay for the most important things first. That's why we budget money. And we don't apply that same process to time. Dana has this method she uses. It's called big rocks or boulders, right? So she says when we're looking out, because she's a planner and she's good at it. When you're looking out and there's things that you really want to do, they're really important with, to you, you place them on the calendar first. That's a boulder. It doesn't move. Those three days, completely blocked. That week of vacation, I am taking it. And you go through whether it's the next year or like Dana does, our vacations are planned through 2028. She's not kidding. Put those big boulders in there. I will do this. I will do this. I will do this. You put them there and they're firm. Everything else has to fit in around that. Then you can start fitting out with the things that are, you should do and then fill in all the other things. But I would say... Going forward, what I would ask you to do, knowing this is coming up, is build in margin there. I don't, that's up to you how you do that. But in time, put blocks of time in there that are specifically set aside for the kingdom, for that to be the focus of that time. The worst thing that happens is God hasn't shown you anything between then and now to fill that with. I don't believe that's true. Worst that can happen is there's nothing there and then you get to have that time to relax or knock something else off your list. But be intentional. Budget that time. Here's a good way to do it. Save at least one day or evening a week where you don't have pressing things. For Life Church, that's Monday. We'll never schedule anything, at least for 2019. We're not scheduling things on Mondays. Monday nights... You couldn't come up here and engage if you tried. There's nothing going on on Monday nights. We do that for a reason, so that we're giving you a chance to say, I don't have to do anything. There's nothing that Life Church is putting on my plate on Monday nights. Dana was saying this. I said, I put in here, have a no list. Sit down and say, this, I just spent 2019. I'm getting ready to go into 2020. What were the things I did that really didn't add value to my life. They weren't really important. I'm looking back on them and thinking, I spent time on that, but why? Develop a no list. And Dana said, she saw that, she said, somebody had told her about a to-do list. She goes, it's just as important to have a to-don't list. So think about what those things are. That's how you can create that margin of saying, I can drop that part out. There are things I'm not going to say yes to. I'm going to say no to. Because everything involving your time is a trade-off. It's a valuable commodity. You only have so much. You cannot make more. You can make more money. You can get more food. You can get more friends. You can get more of anything out there except time. It's your most valuable commodity. Budget it well. Know that everything you choose in a fixed 24-hour day is a trade-off 
for something else that you don't get to choose. In business, we call that opportunity cost. Well, I've got time to do it. Yeah, but what else could you be doing with that time? There's an opportunity cost. I had that time, I could have spent it in a more productive way. So know that they're all trade-offs and budget accordingly. Oh, okay, we're out of time. The last one, urgent things get done at the expense of important things. The opposite of being intentional about our time and money is to be reactive with our time and money. How many times you said, it's really important that I do that. Weeks go by, doesn't get done. Why didn't it get done? I didn't have any time. Did you really not have any time? I mean, this isn't the guilt part, but, or did you not budget that time appropriately? When you understand that there's only so much, and you understand that there are important things that you wanna get done. Important things always become a slave to urgent things unless you shift the focus back to the important things. If you've saved money for it, it's important. You're not gonna forget it. If you've budgeted time and you've said it's immovable, I will spend that time. It won't get crushed out by all the urgent things that'll pack in around it and convince you. That's for next year. God has that for you for next year. I, I can't do it right now. It's not the right season. When the Holy Spirit tells you to move, it's the right season. Let's do everything we can do as amazingly loved children, but also slaves and servants of the Lord. Let's build in that margin now so that he can use it in 2020. So that's my encouragement to you. I have no way of checking up on you. I mean, I'll check up on Brent, but everybody else, you're just on our system. So this is what, uh, I think it was funny, Rick this morning said, we're ambassadors for his kingdom. And because we're ambassadors for his kingdom, we're about his work, we have diplomatic immunity. <laughs> I like that because it made me think, when I build a margin and I can go and I can do it, God's gonna provide that other stuff. That should cost me more, but he's gonna make it so it, it doesn't. You have immunity from that kind of taking over your life and mushrooming. So a lot of us think, when I step into that purpose, I gotta drop everything else. And all that stuff's really important. I don't wanna let it go. God's saying to you today through Rick, you have diplomatic immunity. You're, it's gonna fit in. It's gonna work. Trust me, in your purpose, take that first step. Plan for it, but take it. It's not gonna rule everything. It's gonna fit into the life that he's created for you. He knows you inside and out. So boldly take that step into there because your purpose is worth it. Our God is worth it. His kingdom is worth it. So it's so easy to leave these and go home and be like, man, that's good. Yeah, we need to do that, honey. And then not do it. I'm just saying his kingdom is worth it. It's worth your time. It's worth your money. It's worth you sitting down tonight and going through it. How are we going to do this? How are we going to create that margin? We always have the prayer team here afterwards. If you're like, I would really like prayer to hear what my purpose is or to help me take that step, whatever it is, we'll do that for you right over here. But I don't care when and where you pray and when and where you spend the time. I just, I know this is from the Holy Spirit and I know it really is for us. It's timely, let's pray. Father, thank you for 
your kingdom and your work. Thank you that you accomplish your plan through people. It is an honor to serve you. It is an honor. We just say thank you. Thank you that you would save us. Thank you that you would choose us. Thank you that you would entrust us with the work of your kingdom. In Holy Spirit, we say free reign. We're going to willfully plan for you to use us however you want to. We are yours. We love you. And we trust you with our time. We trust you with our money. We trust you with our lives. It's the choice we made and we mean it. Have your way in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, um, we are dismissed. <laughs> Be blessed and have a fantastic week. Thanks for checking out the Life Church St. Peter's message of the week. For more podcasts and additional information, visit us at lifechurchstpeters.com.